You're listening to the Small Business Talk podcast with Kathy Smith. Small Business Talk is a podcast for business owners and entrepreneurs who want a better way to run their businesses without spending years doing it the hard way. Small Business Talk is hosted by Kathy Smith, who has run the same marketing agency for more than 17 years and helped hundreds of business owners achieve their marketing goals. Welcome to Small Business Talk, episode 114. Today, my guest is Nada Jamal, and Nada is from Magnus Business Builder. Welcome, Nada. Thank you. Thanks for having me. You are very welcome. So our topic is cost-effective business growth strategies. That's a mouthful that you need to say slowly. (laughs) Yes, definitely. So can you unpack that for us, Nada? Yeah, so basically a lot of small or small to medium-sized business owners are unaware that there are a growth, there's, you know, a multitude of different strategies that you can start using and implementing in your business that aren't going to cost you a lot of money because people, you know, assume that they all need to be on social media. Facebook advertising can be quite expensive. Digital can be very expensive when, you know, using Google AdWords and and so forth and SEO. So you can still grow your business without having to spend a lot of money in order to do that. I think that's really important too because people don't really realise that they do need to be continually growing their business because it doesn't matter how fabulous they are, there will be natural attrition from time to time and you will lose customers, you will change customers, you will decide that that customer's not for you anymore. So if you're not looking at growth, you're going to end up with that feast and famine where you've got lots of work and then all of a sudden you have no work. Yes, that is correct, 100% correct. Okay, so you've talked about a couple of different things there, one being SEO, which is search engine optimization for our non-marketing people, which is basically Google search, how people can find you once they search. So if we're not using paid advertising, what kind of things could we do to grow our business? Okay, so one of the things that you can actually do to grow your business And I think this is something that a lot of business owners tend to struggle with, and that's having a market-dominating position or a unique selling proposition. And what that means is, I mean, this is actually the foundational element of marketing. It is what makes you stand out from your competitors. And that's what I find a lot of business owners do tend to struggle with in terms of articulating what makes them unique. Because when in the marketplace, people assume that you need to, you know, reduce your pricing in order to get business. The thing is that people want, consumers are out there, they are searching for value. And that's number one for them. It's not just the price, it is the value. But you still need to create what we call a unique selling proposition. So why are you unique? What makes you stand out from your competitors? I think that's very true, isn't it? I heard a thing today that said vanilla doesn't sell. If you're all (laughs) the same as everybody else and you're just vanilla, then you're not standing out. So why would we look at you as opposed to somebody else? So we really do need to look at being that unique and why you would use us as a web designer, Catco Enterprises, as opposed to somebody else because there's a web designer on just about every block these days. So we really do need to be looking 
looking at what is different about your services and your business compared to everybody else. That's right. Um, Because what we find is that you need to work out what you really are good at and you need to highlight those for future communications. So having a unique selling proposition is really coming up with a statement about what makes you unique that you can use across all of your marketing communications. And it needs to be something that is simple, something that is succinct. And as soon as someone sees it, they know exactly who you are and what you stand for and why they should be buying from you rather than buying from, you know, one of your competitors, basically. Yes, and I think that's very true too, because it not only needs to be succinct, but it needs to be non-jargonish so that they do actually understand that the person looking at it, what you do, as opposed to you trying to tell them what it is. Yes, that's correct. And it also needs to have the distinctive advantage where it does target the hot buttons of your market. And knowing and understanding what your market is, that helps you to create and determine what your unique selling proposition is as well. Yes, absolutely. That's a really good place to start, isn't it? Working out where you need to fit into the market, whether you are that premium brand or whether you're a middle brand or whether you are looking looking at doing massive volume. So therefore, it can be a price issue. Yeah, that's correct. And I mean, there are a number of ways in which you can, you know, create and determine what your unique selling proposition is. You can have a look at the service that you offer, whether it's a service or a product. Is it exceptional? Can you build a winning case on just that product or service alone, unless it's something that no one else has? But very few things are like that these days, right? It could be also your core values, you know, which includes your integrity, respect, compassion, and so on and so forth. So you can look at it, you know, from that angle as well. Also things like expectations. So what do your prospects expect? Do they expect you to be punctual, accurate, provide no, to have no sales pressure, no pricing gains? So it really depends on the type of business that you're in. And it could be things like finishing things on time and on budget, which you're, you're pretty much very very aware of within your business, I would think, and having a level of professionalism and then looking at things like workmanship, which means that there are no cutting corners, doing something right the first time and having that attention to detail, things like quality and performance of the the service or the goods that you're offering as well. They can all be contributors to creating your unique selling proposition. Yes, that's really true, isn't it? And definitely the way to go because if you're providing a service that isn't up to the value that you're trying to portray, then you're going to have a a major mismatch and then people aren't going to believe anything else you say from there on because if your unique selling proposition doesn't reflect the service that you're doing, then they wonder about everything else. So if you've got a premium price, then you need to have that premium product. You need to have it all squared away neatly and tidily and like you say, attention to detail and it can't be sloppy and come in really grotty packaging or anything like that. So obviously unique selling propositions at the beginning and then you need to build it out from there. So what other things should we be looking at for our growth? So we've sort of thought about our unique selling proposition. We've got that in a place where we're happy with it. What would be Mm -hmm. our next thing to do? One of the first things that any business owner needs to be looking at is about having a big vision for their business. And having a vision for your business is knowing what your highest values 
are and incorporating them into what you do. So what a clear vision actually gives you is that it gives you direction because obviously you need to know what the destination is and then you work back from there. So if, for example, if you're going away for two weeks and you're going on a driving holiday, you're going to make sure that your car is up to scratch, the tank is full of petrol, you've got your clothing, you've got your supplies, you've got everything ready for that two-week road trip that you're taking. And that comes with being prepared and you know where you're driving, so you're heading in that particular direction. And what a lot of businesses or business owners don't have is they don't have a clear vision. So we go into business for whatever reason. Some people do it for, you know, freedom. They want to be self-employed. They don't want to work for anyone else. It could be financial reason why they go into business. But the thing is, do you always want to be working in that business as an example? Or do you want to eventually pass that business on to someone else? Or do you want to sell that business? So it's having that vision of knowing exactly what you want your business to look like, say in 10 years from now, 15 years from now, and working towards that. So if your intention is to sell the business, then you want to have everything in place in the very beginning to work towards one day you having to sell that business, as an example. Yes, and I think that's really a great way to look at it too, because like you say, if you're going on a car trip, you pick your destination, then you work out where your milestones are, where you need to get fuel, where you're going to stay, all of that kind of thing. You don't just go, oh, well, I'm just going to jump in the car and it's school holidays, so let's go away for two weeks with the family. I mean, <laughs> there, there's not very many people that's no. going to be happy to do that, no. but a lot of people, that's how we run our businesses. Oh, I'm just going to be a business owner and where are you going to yeah. be in five years? <laughs> oh, well, hopefully with some customers, somebody <laughs> might pay me, maybe I'll do some work. So, yeah, it's, it's interesting how we don't don't um, plan out some aspects of our life, but we plan out other aspects of our life right down to where we're going to have yeah. our meals. So yes, yes it, it's rather interesting. And of course, a, a business is generally worth a lot more if it's not dependent on you. So if you can exactly. build in those systems and have staff or contractors that are now doing the work for you, then once you sell the business and you step away from it, it's not actually devalued because it's not centric around you as the sole yes. person. That's right. That is exactly correct. Because if you're the sole person and it's in, you know, just your name, it's got your branding on there, people only know you. Like one one example of this is Anthony Robbins. Now, he is his brand. His business is him. And he has actually tried to sell his business multiple times, but he's unable to because he is the business. So it's situations like that. What is it? Do you want to continuously work the hours that you want to work with in, in your business. You probably do that in the beginning, but is that what you want to do? So it's having that clear vision about your business and what it is that you want to do as well. Another strategy is really looking at your existing customers. It costs you twice as much to do generate a new customer as what it does to keep an existing customer. We spend a lot of money on lead generation trying to attract new customers that we don't really spend as much time as what we should nurturing our existing customers, looking at ways in which we can add value to our existing 
existing customers and value could be what other products can we give them? What other services can we give them? And that comes down to knowing and understanding your customers, their wants, their needs, because what will happen is if you're not nurturing them, you're going to be losing them. They're going to go somewhere else. And then you're constantly searching for new customers. So you don't want to burn the customers that you do have. You do want to nurture them. And so that's a strategy that is overlooked because we're always searching for the new that we forget about our existing customers. Yes. And that can be very annoying when you've been a customer for a long time. The fitness industry do it very badly. So say, have you on a a month to month retainer and you're paying that and you're the ones that are actually paying their wages and keeping their gyms and whatever open. And then they've got this massive discount for new people and they've got all of this stuff. And you kind of feel like thinking, well, maybe I'll duck over to the opposition just so that I will get some of their love because where I currently are, they're not giving you the love. The other thing, of course, is customers' needs change. And as they grow, you may grow along with them. So you might have started them on a a very basic program. And then now they're thinking about putting on another shop or more staff or growing, or they may have just been a, a single tradesman who now wants to bring on an apprentice. So their needs grow. So if you're not keeping up with that and checking in with them, you you may find that you lose them completely because now they need a second service that you actually may offer, but now they've gone to your opposition because they didn't realise that you could actually help them. That's exactly it. And I mean, how good do you feel when you know that your customers are happy and satisfied? It's a really good feeling, isn't it? I know, (laughs) right, exactly, absolutely. And the thing is having a happy customer also is very motivational for staff because the last thing staff want if you've got staff is a fielding complaints and taking on calls from customers that are dissatisfied as well. And happy customers are raving testimonials generally too. Absolutely. So they will actually do the marketing for you. So there's exactly. another cost saving. That's right. Absolutely. And testimonials are so powerful and not only testimonials, but there are recommendations and also you can receive referrals from these good customers as well, customers that are happy. And it also means more revenue for your business if your customers are consistently spending more money with you. And particularly when that money hasn't actually cost you more. So you're not out there doing your marketing or your ads or any of that. You're just maybe checking in with them, having a chat with them, having a coffee, sending them a little present, just doing that whole nurture so that it's a very little cost factor. And you may find that you're doubling or even tripling the services that you're giving to those customers. So it can be definitely a win-win. And then of course, when we're thinking about new products and services and where we want to go, what's the first thing we do? We go and ask our friends. So if they're a happy customer of yours, then um, that's also a, a really powerful and cheap way to market your business. Absolutely. And if you've got a new product or service, you can always test it on your existing customers as well and get some feedback from them rather than testing that new product or service on an entirely new customer. So that's kind of another way to look at it as well. So that's a great opportunity to even ask them what products and services they may need. So it might be something that you hadn't even thought about adding to your product suite that you've now got the opportunity to. Okay, so we're looking at different growth ways. Is there another thing that you would suggest that the listeners should be looking at to grow their businesses? Yes, we touched on briefly referrals, receiving referrals from existing customers. Referrals are 
gold because referrals come from people that know, trust and like you. So if I'm referring someone to you or recommending, you're more likely recommending someone or sending you referral, you're more likely to look into that because we have this trust between us. And building on your referral partners is an excellent way in which you can build your business. Some businesses survive on referrals. That is their complete business model. And that's the way that they've gone. They don't advertise. They've built their business purely just on referral. And so developing referral partnerships, it's knowing who would make an excellent referral partner for your business. So identifying who that business would be and knowing. So if I'm approaching a business, for example, that business may have the customers that I want. They may have access to the customers that I want. And by developing that relationship, I could also have access to their customers as well. And so developing referral partnerships is, it's a very cost effective way. It does take, probably takes time to build that trust and it does take a little bit longer, but it is an ongoing process because we're talking about relationships here and relationships do take time. However, if they are nurtured, then they can be an excellent resource to grow and generate more business. So uh, an excellent referral partner would be for a wedding, okay? So within the wedding industry, you have so many different services. You've got the the hairdresser, you've got the makeup artist, you've got the photographer, you've got the cake, you've got the wedding dress, the jewellery. There is so many to choose from. So if, for example, I am a florist, I want to develop relationships with all of those different businesses because that's where all of my customers are. They're going to buy their wedding dress. They're going to hire a car. They're going to probably the catering, the venue as well. So you want to be able to develop relationships with all of those types of businesses. And so as a florist, if I had five different referral partners and each one referred just one customer to me a month, for me, that's five customers that I didn't have. And so when looked at that way, you can see how effective having referral partners can be in order to grow a business. And it could work for any type of business. It doesn't matter what business you're in, there is the potential to have and form relationships with referral partners. Yes. And referral partners are great because they're people that work within the same kind of customer base that you do, but they're not competing with you. So like your example there with the florist and the jeweler, they'd be looking at the same brides, brides-to-be, bridesmaids, mother of the bride, but they're not actually selling the same thing. So that can be really powerful. I've heard a couple of really good examples of how that's worked really well. One was a top-end car dealership and they were looking at, okay, who are our main focus? So the the main people that bought their cars in this particular suburb were quite well-to-do ladies. So they thought, well, how can we get tap into somewhere else where there is quite well-to-do ladies? And it was quite a few years ago. So they went through the yellow pages and they looked and they found a business that might 
work. And what uh-huh. it was was a beauty salon. So <laughs> they actually teamed up yes. and from the car dealership that sold their cars, when they sold their premium product, their their latest model, whatever it was, the, the car, then they got a basket of samples and a special little voucher from the beauty salon. So what happened was it was so successful that they actually wanted to roll it out throughout Australia. Unfortunately, the beauty salon was not a franchise and it was a one-off, but it really made the ladies feel special because when you buy a a car, you don't expect to get a gorgeous beauty hamper. And what happened for the beauty salon was then they got an ongoing customer. They would come and they would use their voucher, they would use their products, and about half of those ladies then would continue to use the beauty salon after that. So sometimes it's a case of just thinking outside the box a bit about who would have your ideal customers but don't do the same kind of services that you do or don't do similar services to what you do. Yeah, that's a that's an excellent example. Okay, so we've talked about unique selling proposition. We've talked about a, a couple of different ideas on how to grow your business. So if people are really stuck and not quite sure where to go or what to do, what do you think would be the first foundation that they should be looking at doing? The first foundation out of those particular strategies that we just discussed? Or just in general, if they're looking at moving forward to grow their business? If they are looking forward to growing their business, I think it really comes down to having a plan and you need to know what it is that you're wanting to achieve. So putting together a plan, what I call a roadmap, they may not be able to put that together themselves, but there are so many resources online where you can actually, there are templates that will help you to develop a plan for your business. So the first step is to really have a look at what they are currently doing, what is working and what's not working. Repeat what's working. If something's not working, okay, ditch it. And then have a look at what other successful businesses are doing. How are they doing it? And really, you can model your business on that. But you need to understand who your market is first in order for you to actually also do this. Having a plan in place, looking at what you are currently doing, what needs to change, what is working and what's not. Because that sounds I think like a great thing. Because I think a lot of people don't because they're stuck in a ditch, that feeling where I'm stuck, I'm stuck, I'm stuck. They don't really take a step back from the business. So taking a step back, it's that the view where you're standing on the balcony and looking down on everything. So taking that step back, really looking at what is working, what's not working, what needs to change, what can be improved and always seek expert advice. And that's so true, isn't it? Sometimes the roadmap can be shortened quite considerably if you are actually engaging an expert. And obviously you're an expert. So would you like to tell the audience about what you do and what you offer? I'm a business strategist and for me, I've been doing this for a a few years, but I've been working with small, medium and global businesses for over 25 years. And my purpose is really to help small to medium-sized business owners and leaders to really develop business growth strategies that do generate tangible results. I'm all about the results. 
So I am passionate about working with them to provide them the guidance, the clarity, the accountability. I mean, we all need accountability. The motivation when things are going as well as they want them to go and also the inspiration and to work with them on developing ideas and watching those ideas generate the results for their business. So that's that's what I do. That's what I'm passionate about. And the way that I look at it, every business that I work with, I'm helping, I'm working with a community because that business probably also employs half a dozen people or more. Those people rely on that business for their livelihoods. And it has a ripple effect for the community because if a business is doing well, the employees are happy, they're getting paid, they're also spending money within the community. So it has that ripple effect across the board. And would you like to let listeners know about the two different ways that they can work with you? Yeah, absolutely. So they can reach out on my website, which is Magnus Business Builder. They can also send me through an email at nada at magnusbusinessacademy.com as well. And I'm constantly doing workshops as well. The workshops are live and they are completely free so they can attend any of my workshops. I do have one coming up in a couple of weeks as well. Excellent. And are they in person or online? They're online so they can join from anywhere. Perfect. So we'll drop those links in the show notes for everybody to have a look at and see if they're interested because one of my pet hates is when people want to grow their businesses and they want to do marketing, but they haven't got an idea of where to go. So they just grab a little bit of this and a little bit of that. And then suddenly they've spent an awful lot of money and oh, marketing doesn't work. Well, unfortunately, like we said right in the beginning, if you just jump in your car and you've got no idea where you're going to drive to, no, it's not going to work. So having a strategy and a plan definitely does give you that guiding light on where you need to go so that is brilliant so like I say we'll drop that all in the show notes now at this point in time I've got some questions for you Nada okay (laughs) I didn't tell you about that (laughs) no so what are the questions (laughs) okay what is the best advice you've been given to by a mentor lead from the front perfect What is the biggest help that you have received since starting your business? The best or the biggest? Either. Wow, okay. That's a difficult one. Probably the best. Just believe in yourself and what you're doing. Perfect. What is the one thing that you have to do every day, your non-negotiable? Coffee. (laughs) (laughs) Every day. (laughs) Coffee. We've um, had everything from cuddle the kids to yeah. clean your teeth to meditate. Yeah, coffee, Coffee's a new one. Coffee, yeah. Well, absolutely. You want to, you know, brush your teeth. Okay. What is your favourite business book and why? That one's easy. The book is called Influence. It's by Robert Cialdini and it's about the science and the practice of influence in society. So it's about how influence can be used for good, but also how it can be abused and manipulated by entities, by individuals. Yes, and unfortunately, it's often manipulated, isn't it? So (laughs) I need more people to do it for good. And our final question is, what do you wish you had known when you started out? Probably how tough it can be yes, at first. I think business is going to be no, easy, but it's, it's a tough. bit of a roller coaster. It is, it is tough. You need to be committed. Anytime you start anything, you need to be 100% committed in order to achieve what you want to achieve. And it all starts with being committed. I think that's very good advice. 
So thank you, Nada, for your time. I appreciate your words of wisdom. And is there any final notes that you would like to leave our audience with? Keep going. It doesn't matter how tough it gets. Just keep going. You'll achieve what you want to achieve. I think sometimes it's a bit of a cha-cha too. So it's not always a a straight line. Sometimes we need to step sideways, go backwards a touch, just so that we can go forward again. Yes, absolutely. Keep moving forward. Don't look back. Excellent. So thank you very much for your time, Nada. And like I say, we'll drop all of that in the show notes. So everybody, if you go to smallbusinesstalk.com.au forward slash 114. And we'll see you again next week. Thanks. Bye. Don't forget to subscribe to Small Business Talk podcast and head on over to smallbusinesstalk.com.au forward slash downloads for all the show notes and links to this episode. Remember, to be great, you must start. Pick one tip from today's episode, take action and implement it. Let's meet again next week at the same time and place. Until then, take action and SBT community, enjoy your journey.